Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. He had um, a on-site manager and his wife, his husband and wife, so as a couple, um, they had been managing the property for many years and they were stealing from him and he had no idea. Um, but we found out pretty quickly that he was stealing from him. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business and wealth building all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. Uh, In this episode, we are going to talk about uh, boutique hotels and uh, my experience uh, buying my first boutique hotel and um, kind of the reasoning behind uh, this pivot um, from multifamily. And um, I'm going to also explain, uh, you know, why boutique hotels, why I see an opportunity there, and then kind of what we're doing moving forward and where I see the opportunity kind of over the next 12 to 18 months. So uh, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. A lot of good insight here. Um, So why boutique hotels? So um, just to go back a little bit, um, traditionally, I'm a multifamily guy. And... um, you know, we bought apartments, uh, currently have north of 300 apartment units that we still own, some with partners, uh, some on my own. And um, I feel like ever since the pandemic, um, you know, and then going into 2021, um, there was just a lot of money and a lot of uh, buyers looking for the same type of apartment buildings. Um, everyone's looking for that value add, um, 100 plus units um, in good markets, well-located assets to where they can make a good return on their money. Um, and because there's so much capital out there and so much money chasing these deals, um, we found it very challenging. This is when I say we, I'm talking about my, my two old partners and myself. We found it very challenging to find deals that penciled. Um, often, if there was a deal that was broker listed and uh, the pricing guidance was decent, um, there would be 65 offers um, you know, and, and maybe a hundred property tours on some of these properties, which is, which is crazy. And by the time you get to best and final, um, with a lot of these deals, uh, people were overpaying big time. And so what we found was a lot of these deals weren't penciling. Um, we would underwrite them and, um, they wouldn't pencil. Um, and so we would pass, but then a few months later, we would circle back with the broker to see what these deals traded for. And some of the numbers that people were paying were just like insane. We're like, I don't even know how that makes sense. So, you know, now with the interest rate environment going up, um, you know, people are banking on a lot of rent growth. Um, I don't know if they're going to be getting it now with this, this recent slowdown in the economy. So it will be interesting to see how the business plan um, of these properties shake out. We sold our 32-unit building uh, in Indianapolis uh, earlier this year, January of this year. And uh, to kind of put that in perspective, um, we had bought this property in 2019. And we renovated half of the units. And uh, this is a C-class deal in Indianapolis, uh, about 15 minutes south in an area called Greenwood, which is a nice community, good schools. Um, we were near some, some good retail and that sort of thing. But we renovated half of the units. And uh, we ended up selling that property to, two years later for 3x what we had paid for it. And a group came in. They raised money to buy the deal. Um, that property 
you know, it did good for us, but I mean, it's a 1960s property. So, you know, it, it had the plumbing issues. It had all the repair and maintenance items. A lot of stuff was breaking down. Um, and so we were happy to sell that property. Um, and you know, for three X, what we had paid for it two years prior. Um, but just to give you an idea, um, the, the buying group not only raised money, but they paid like a 3.7 cap rate based on actuals to buy that property, which is, which is really crazy. And this is a C-class property in Indianapolis. So that just kind of give you an idea of how hot the uh, multifamily market was. Um, another reason why I think the market was just so hot is because you have so many groups out there right now that um, coaching companies and educational platforms um, teaching people how to raise money to buy apartments. And so because you have all these coaches and gurus out there teaching people how they can buy apartments, well, um, you got a lot of students out there that are looking to take down deals, which I believe is just making that asset class more and more overheated. Um, I still do love that asset class long term because, you know, it's evergreen. And what I mean by evergreen is there will never be a replacement for two things, a place for people to sleep and a place for people to store their belongings. There's never going to be a technology that supersedes that. So if you look at a lot of companies that come and go because of technology, you know, you got Kodak, um, BlackBerry, you get all these companies that boomed and then they busted um, because of technology. But apartments, they're going to be around forever. And as the price of, you know, single family homes continues to rise across America, um, you know, the demand for apartment units is, is always going to be there. And if you study rents in America, they've always gone up. Ever since the 1940s, if you study the rents in America, they've always gone up. They never go down. So um, it is a good asset class. It's great on a risk-adjusted return basis. It's low risk, but there's just not a lot of yield right now. So anyways, that was kind of the reasoning. Um, decided to make the pivot. Um, along the way, we were you know, buying short-term rentals, and these things were cash flowing great. And, um, earlier this past year or this year, uh, 2022, um, I started a short-term rental management company to where we basically not only manage my short-term rentals, um, but also we'll manage for third-party owners on a select case basis, more boutique style. Um, it has to be the right, the right owner, the right client in the right property that, you know, kind of fits our mold and everything else we say no to. But that said, Started growing that company and, and started bringing on clients. Um, but the interest rate environment started going up uh, around, you know, March of last year or this year. And then April and May, they kept doing more rate hikes. And so about May is when I realized, holy cow, like, you know, these rates are really pumping. And uh, I just kind of felt at that time like, hey, it's time to pivot because, uh, you know, if the Fed's going to keep increasing these rates... I didn't feel comfortable buying more short-term rentals. And so um, I started looking at some boutique hotels and um, I was actually down in a coffee shop working remotely for a couple of weeks. And um, I was looking at boutique hotel deals and um, came across a deal. It was actually on LoopNet and uh, it was 10 rooms beachfront in Northern California. And, um, this property, uh, literally had, I mean, it was, it had great bones. So it was 2000, uh, it was a 2000 built property. So just over 20 years old. And, um, it had an owner who had owned it for about 20 years. I think he bought it like two years after it was built. And, um, this property just hadn't grossed more than $200,000 per year. 
um, the owner or the seller, very mom and pop, he had no marketing, um, was not on Airbnb, it was not on Verbo. Um, he was just relying on an old crusty website that hadn't been updated in probably 10 years um, to bring in bookings. And it was kind of a word of mouth thing. He had um, a on-site manager and his wife, his husband and wife, so as a couple, um, they had been managing the property for many years and they were stealing from him and he had no idea. Um, but we found out pretty quickly that he was stealing from him. They were blocking off the calendar um, because they didn't want to do same day turns. So whenever a guest made a reservation and booked a particular room, they didn't want to do same day turns. So they would actually block off the calendar um, the day before check-in and the day after they checked out um, because they didn't want to do the turns. And what they were actually doing was they were getting paid to, you know, obviously uh, work on the property. They were going and taking jobs around town, like little side hustle jobs, um, just to make a few bucks. And um, they weren't really spending a lot of time working on this property. And they were living in not just one of the manager's units, but they actually two. So they convinced the owner. They said, hey, um, his name is Brian. said, hey, Brian. Um, we want to we want to uh, stay in two of the rooms and combine them. So he convinced the convinced Ryan to uh, put a door in between two of their units, and so now they have a manager's unit that's taking up two of the rooms, which means there's only eight of rooms available for rent. So you can see what that does to the revenue long term. But uh, anyway, so talking to the broker, I'm in Medellin, Colombia. I'm like, hey, what's going on with the deal? Um, do, do you guys have a lot of activity? Because the price was actually relatively cheap, and she goes, no. A lot of groups have inquired, but, you know, this is Humboldt County. It's a little bit remote. We're talking Northern California, kind of near the uh, Oregon coast, the border up there, uh, kind of near Eureka in an area called Shelter Code, just kind of give you a perspective there. And um, she goes, hey, a lot of groups hit us up, but um, no one's been willing to come all the way up here and kind of like check out the area. And so I said, okay, well, what if we submit an LOI, a letter of intent, um, and if the the seller is interested, we'll fly up and take a look at the property and kind of tour the area. She's like, great. So we put together a letter of intent and uh, asked for seller financing, uh, put together a, an offer that, that felt was a, you know, a decent offer, um, but it was at a discount. The property had been sitting for a while. Seller hadn't been make, making any money on the property in, in quite some time. And uh, the seller was very interested. And so he said, hey, why don't you come up? Um, I'll actually fly up there with you and, uh, I'll fly up there with some of my buddies and one of my buddies is a pilot. Uh, we like to go up there and surf and, uh, why don't you come up? So, uh, Mike, my, uh, old partner and I at the time, uh, we flew up to Sacramento, uh, on Southwest airlines commercially. We met the, uh, I'm sorry, it was San Jose and we met the owner, um, at Palo Alto airport, which is a small airport about 15 minutes away from Sacramento. We jump in a, a small airplane called a Kodiak. It's a small single engine airplane, fits about eight or nine people. And he's got his buddies with him. And we fly up to this hotel. And uh, it's a cool flight. I mean, you fly up you know, right along the, um, the Northern California coastline. It's beautiful. Um, black sand beaches. And you pull up to this little airport um, in this area. They call it the Lost Coast because it's just kind of like a remote area. 
up there in uh, Northern California. And it's got this little landing strip airport um, right next to the hotel. So we come in, we land. And uh, I remember this. It was a Monday. We're pulling in the afternoon. I literally jump out of the plane and like you just like walk off the runway and uh, you just like walk your bags over to the hotel. It's literally like a, a four minute walk. But hotel's gorgeous, right on the water. I remember showing up with Mike and we're like, holy cow, like this is very remote. There is one person staying at the hotel out of the 10 rooms um, when we arrived. And the seller, Brian, he's like, he's so mom and pop. He's just like wants to take care of everyone. He just like tosses keys, like a room key to like all of his buddies. They each get their own room. Mike and I get our own room. And uh, we go and check in and we're like, dude, this is kind of remote. I don't know if we're going to be able to make our business plan work. Like literally, we don't see many people. Um, it was kind of like a ghost land. But uh, anyway, so we started walking around. Those were like our initial thoughts. But um, we went and found a market. Um, there's a little local, local market up the hill. And we got some snacks and some food for uh, dinner and couple drinks for uh for later that evening and we went around and and just started walking around the area checking it out and i told mike and i was like i was like hey man we got to go walk some other uh surrounding hotels we got to meet the innkeepers and we got to see if we can get some you know financials and kind of see how they're doing from a rev par occupancy adr standpoint and kind of see how they're performing relative to us and so directly next door there's a 10 room hotel and um, their parking lot was full. It looked like a nice property. I mean, they were it was upkept, had a nice new paint job, good signage, good lighting. They had a parking lot. It was full of cars. And uh, so we just went up to the manager's office. This is like late afternoon at this time. And there was a lady. We're in there working. I think her name was Jennifer. And um, it's like, hey, Jennifer, how you doing today? And uh, she's like, hey, we're doing good. And I said, just introduce myself. Hey, my name is Rich. This is Mike. And um, I was just up front with her. I said, hey, you know, we're investors and we're looking at buying this hotel next door. Hey, guys, real quick. I'm trying to hit 1,000 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts within the first month of our launch so we can move up in the rankings and reach new audiences. In order for this to happen, I'm going to need the help of you guys. If you could please take two seconds and leave a five-star review and rating, it would mean the world to me. We're also giving away cash prizes, free swag, and tickets to our yacht meetups here in San Diego. We'll be selecting winners January 18th to qualify. All you need to do is leave a review and send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com. I love you guys. And now back to the show. And I'm just curious if uh, you might have any insight um, about that hotel next door and love to, you know, kind of learn more about this area and how you guys are doing at your hotel. And she was like, man, come on in. I'd love to share with you guys everything. She's like, I'll show you whatever you guys need. Let me know. And so she just started telling us everything about the hotel from, you know, uh, her relationship with the owners and, you know, the turnover with the different managers and how they're underperforming. And, um, she was the one that told us that the, the managers were stealing from the owner. Um, and she goes, Hey, why don't you guys come back tonight after dinner? She's like, bring me some drinks and, um, I'll show you the books. So we're like, okay, cool. So anyways, we go back, um, have dinner with um, the current management, uh, the managers that were on site of the hotel that we're buying and the seller and uh, had a nice little dinner. Um, and you got to think like the managers, they know the hotel is being sold and they don't want it to be sold because they literally have two rooms, beachfront, nice living room, kitchen, everything. 
um, and they're getting paid to live there for free and basically not do a whole lot. And so you got to think they don't want this property to be sold. And here we are, uh, two younger guys, and uh, we're having dinner and, and we're there to basically buy the property. And I think they have an inkling that um, we want to manage this property remotely, free of on-site management with my company, Short uh, Fortune Cribs, um, the same way we manage all these short-term rentals around the country. So like kind of a self-check-in, self-check-out model. And uh, so it's kind of a weird dinner, but they ended up being pretty cool. Um, but they were stealing from the owner at the end of the day. So um, yeah, nice people. But anyway, so after dinner, Mike and I grabbed some, uh, some cervezas, some Corona, and we head over to the hotel next door, roll up to Jennifer. Jennifer bakes us some like hors d'oeuvres and um, we ended up, you know, having a couple beers with her. And she ends up telling us all sorts of different stuff. She shows us their books. And it turns out the property we were buying, like I said, never cracked $200,000 annually on any given year. Um, and this property, also 10 rooms, uh, was doing almost $800,000 a year. $800,000 a year. And granted, they were not on Airbnb. They were not on Verbo either. Um, their 10 rooms were smaller than the hotel that we were buying because the hotel we we're buying has like... Uh, living rooms and kitchens and like fireplaces. All the rooms have ocean views. So much bigger from a square footage standpoint. Um, and this property next door was doing almost $800,000 a year in revenue. Um, they just had better operations. They were uh, marketing better. They had just cleaner operations. They weren't blocking off dates on the calendar. They weren't stealing from the owner. Um, and so that really gave us the confidence to uh, move forward on this deal. So shout out to Jennifer. She's amazing. And for any of the listeners out there, if you guys are ever doing due diligence and shopping competition on a deal, um, I encourage you to just go and be friendly, be transparent to the managers next door. And these could be apartments too. Um, if you're walking apartments, hotels, whatever it is, you want to get as much information as you can. Um, but just be transparent. I know some people out there, some investors say, oh, like, just be undercover, pretend you're a renter, pretend you're a prospective guest. But I, I don't believe in that. I think you should just be transparent. Tell them you're interested in buying the property next door because I'll tell you what, a lot of these innkeepers, you'd be surprised the kind of information that they would tell you. Um, and we got a lot of information out of Jennifer. So anyways, next day we wake up. Mike and I, we go and walk some other properties that were surrounding the area. Um, and there was another property that we had seen on LoopNet, um, 18 rooms. It was called the Inn of the Lost Ghost. And uh, to give you an example, this property was listed for around $6 million, the Inn of the Lost Ghost, 18 rooms. And we had submitted an offer at $1.5 million and some change on this 10-room. This 18-room hotel was on LoopNet at $6 million. So we had talked to the broker, and he's like, yeah, it's under contract. I can't tell you how much. Um, but he's like, it's pretty close to the price and guidance. Showed us the financials. And um, so we went and walked that property. And what we discovered was that property was old. It was tired. It hadn't been renovated in many years. And so we thought, man, there's a group coming in and buying this property for almost double uh, what we were going to buy this this 10-room hotel for and, and, uh, in terms of a price-per-door basis. And so that gave us even more confidence. The seller was cool. He was like, hey, man, um, we are going to... Um, you know, 
he's like, I'll finance a deal for you. I think initially he said he'd do 60%. And um, he's like, I have a renovation company, construction team. He's like, I know the hotel inside and out. And he's like, I'll even do your renovations. And so we're thinking, okay, this guy's not only going to finance the deal, but in addition to that, he's going to renovate the property for us. Like this is a win-win situation. He has an alignment of interest for this deal to go well. So why not have him do the renovations? So anyways, we ended up putting this deal in a contract for just over 1.5 and, um, we're dialing in our business plan. Um, we're, you know, just dialing everything in from the construction to the rehab, what kind of renovations are we going to do working with the design team? Uh, shout out to Kim Hickson who, uh, designed my luxury Airbnb in Scottsdale. She also, uh, designed this 10 room hotel up in Northern California. So shout out to her. Um, but you know, as we're getting closer to the, the closing date, um, we started to realize, holy cow, uh, this seller, based on how he operates the hotel for 20 years, uh, I didn't feel great about how he was going to be uh, managing his construction company. And so I was like, hey, guys, talking about my, my old partner, Sean and Mike, I said, hey, guys, I think we should bring in uh, another contractor and get another bid. It's always good to get multiple bids. But I said, hey, my contractor in Scottsdale, who just did my luxury Airbnb out there, um, I know what kind of work he does. We can trust him. He moves pretty quick. I think we should bring him in and see if he can you know, write us up a proposal for this property. And uh, initially, they shot it down. They're like, hey, you know what? We, we trust the seller. Let's go with him. I said, okay, let's roll with him. And um, we ended up raising the money, went to our investors, this is an interesting part, how we raised the money. So um, this was the first deal where we actually raised money. We offered the investors a straight fixed 20% return, paid monthly, um, no liability on them. We would assume all the liability, but no equity. So just straight debt. And what we did was we created an investor LLC that lent in second position to the hotel LLC and um, that capital we would use for the down payment, for the renovations, the holding costs, et cetera. And because there's so much value add with this particular deal, we're buying it so low, 10 rooms, beachfront in California for 1.5. We knew that through our renovations and uh, through a projected you know, uh, ARV and what kind of ADR and occupancy that we felt like we'd be operating at, the property would be worth, be worth closer to four and a half, maybe five million, once we're done with our business plan. And so at that time, we knew we could we could refinance at the higher valuation. And that new loan, uh, the proceeds would be able to pay off the seller and then also pay off the investors. And at that time, the investors want to roll their money into another deal with us. You know, likely we'll have another deal they could roll that money into. So that's kind of the business model. And uh, we opened it up. The capital raise was really quick filled up in less than 24 hours. There was a lot of people that couldn't get in that wanted to. So shout out to the investors. And they came through. But uh, anyways, we closed on the property. And uh, we decided, hey, look, we're going to operate the property for about six to seven weeks, as is, because there were still all these reservations that we were inheriting. Um, and it was still kind of busy season up there. And so we just continued to operate the property with my management company, Fortune Cribs. And um, we just we put the rooms on Airbnb in Verbo, as is, non-renovated. And the bookings just started coming in. Occupancy was really high, so that was encouraging. And then starting October 1, the plan was to shut down the property. But check this out. 
we're like maybe three to four weeks away from you know shutting down the property and construction starting and uh, we're jumping on calls with brian the seller and we're like dude like i don't i don't have confidence with this plan he was like um coming to us with another proposal with higher uh, an increase in you know budget and so we're like well we raised the money we only have so much set aside we have contingency capital we have reserves yes but we don't want to dip into this unless we need to and so um we started going back and forth a little bit and i was like hey guys like we should pivot and at that time i think sean and mike were like on board we're like hey let's, let's start looking at some other options and so you know Going back a little bit, I had just finished a, a full renovation out in Scottsdale for a luxury property. And um, Kim Hickson, our designer, and uh, Mark, who is my contractor on that property, he had been, he has a big business. He's got like 100 people on his team. Everyone's in-house, in-house the electrician, the plumber, the plumbing technician. He's got every, everything in-house, which saves a little bit on costs. And so he had just finished that project. And because of the slowdown in the economy, he's like, Hey man, if you guys want, I can bring my whole team up and do this hotel. Um, I'll fly my crew up from Phoenix up to Northern California. We'll live on the property. We'll knock this thing out quick for you guys. So just let us know. And so at that time we're like, Hey Mark, this is like three weeks out from the the start of our construction. Um, it might've been, it might've been less. It might've been two weeks actually. Um, anyways, we went to Mark like, Hey man, what are your thoughts here? He came in right away. He's like, hey, here's my proposal. It came in under Brian's. And he's like, I can have my team up there in two weeks. So we pivoted and we went over to Brian. I'm sorry. We went over to, to Brian, the seller. And we said, hey, man, we're going to pivot. These are the reasons why. We still love you. Still want to work with you. But uh, we're not going to use you for the construction. So he was cool about it. Mark came through with his team. They started October 3rd. And get this. They got done with the full renovation. This is exterior and interior, everything, full renovation of this 10-room hotel. They started October 3rd, and they finished by Thanksgiving, which is crazy. So shout out to Mark if you're listening. Um, you guys came through. Um, but there was just an alignment of interest. You know, His whole team is up there. They're away from their kids, their families, their wives, and they don't get to go home until the job's done. So guess what they're probably doing? They're, they're working nights. They're working weekends, and, and they're banging out this job. So you know, there's a couple of things right now where you know, you can use this interest rate environment to your advantage. And one of the things is seller finance. And the other is, is getting good contractors that do good work. Um, whereas before, when everything was hot, the market was red hot. Um, it was hard to get good contractors because they were just so busy. And so they were just kind of hand selecting the jobs that they wanted to take on. In terms of the seller finance, um, initially the seller was said they'd do 60. Um, but I was like, hey, man, um, after one of the, the tours... I think it was after the second time I went up there, we built some rapport and I said, Hey, uh, Brian, uh, what are the chances that, uh, you could do 70%? And, uh, he thought about it and, uh, he was like, you know what? He's like, I like you guys. He's like, let's do 70%. So we're like, all right, cool. So we ended up getting 70% seller finance at 6% interest only. And when you go to sign loan docs on a seller finance note, it was like the quickest and easiest signing I've ever done. It was literally, uh, I think it was like two documents. I remember Mike and I showed up for the signing. It was like sign here and sign there. The notary, the notary was like, that's it. Like, holy cow. That was like the easiest signing I've ever done. So that's kind of cool. But anyways, so fast forward to now. Um, we, the renovation's done. 
Kim and the design team are up there putting together all the furniture, putting together the finishing touches. Um, we basically did all new flooring. We did all new kitchens, all new cabinets, all new bathroom vanities. Uh, we did tiled showers in like six of the 10 rooms. Um, fresh paint, all new furnishings, all new beds, all new sofas, whole nine yards. And then we added some outdoor amenities. Uh, we did um, a couple jacuzzis, fire pits, heat lamps, that sort of thing, and some like lawn games for people to you know kind of enjoy. And then we put in you know Wi-Fi locks on all the doors and ring doorbells so we can kind of keep an eye on the property. But um, that's kind of how we do it. We just kind of operate as a self-check-in, self-check-out model. And uh, we were able to bring uh, those two manager rooms online. So now it's actually 10 rooms again. Um, and we are about to relaunch the property. We rebranded it. New signage. It was called the Tides Inn. Um, and we rebranded it to the Black Sands Inn. Um, and the reason you want to rebrand some of these hotels is like if, if you're inheriting a lot of poor reviews, uh, which we were, um, you always want to start fresh. Um, that way you can start a new track record in terms of reviews. Um, so yeah, the Black Sands Inn is launching uh, a week from now. And uh, we're excited. We're excited and uh, we're actually ahead of schedule. And so the plan is to operate and uh, sometime in the next 12 months, we'll go ahead and start the refinance process and uh, we'll go ahead and refinance and, and get the seller paid off and then um, pay off the investors. And uh, hopefully at that time, we'll have some more deals for the investors to roll their money in. Um, but the coolest thing about the seller finance right now is up until this point, uh, my largest investor in any deal is $250,000. And um, this seller financed over a million dollars on this property. And so when he sees us four to five X the annual revenue of this property and then refinance at a higher valuation in just 18 months when he couldn't do it for you know 20 years, guess what he's going to do with that money? He's going to give it right back to me uh, to go invest into another deal. That is the crazy part. And so you know, often with these seller finance deals, um, you're not only borrowing money to do that project, but when you recycle that money and pay it back, that person now begin, becomes your largest investor because you build that level of trust and um, people want to do business with those they know, like, and trust. So that's the coolest part about that model. Excited about that deal. Um, what am I doing now? So um, right now, we are going all in on the boutique hotel space. Um, I see an opportunity as apartments are very, very competitive right now. Um, a lot of other asset classes, I mean, even single family right now, if you want to call it an asset class, short-term rentals, everyone's doing it. And so what, what I love most about the boutique hotel model versus the short-term rentals is you don't need to worry about the change in regulatory environment. With these short-term rentals, that is the biggest risk. Um, a lot of markets around the country and cities and municipalities are cracking down on short-term rentals. I get it. If I was, you know, living on a cul-de-sac with my family and, you know, we've been there for 20 plus years, I don't know if I'd necessarily want um, a party house next to me with a lot of transient guests. Not that we operate and host guests that throw parties, but um, we are, you know, responsible hosts, obviously. But, you know, there's a lot of irresponsible hosts out there that kind of ruin it for the uh, responsible hosts, if you would. The other benefit is... Um, you know, the neighbors can be a nuisance. 
you know, it, it, it's really luck of the draw with these short-term rentals because some neighbors are great. I mean, I've had neighbors. I got one neighbor who the short, the first short-term rental I've ever bought in San Diego, uh, the next door neighbor, his name's Alan. He actually works on my team now. He's bought multiple deals with us and uh, he owns a bunch of Airbnbs now because I was his neighbor. And so he actually met me and he was like, instead of being like, hey man, like F you, like, you know, you're causing a lot of noise and blah, 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 blah. He's like, he took the opposite approach. He's like, hey man, like, how can I do this too? And so I actually helped him, you know, buy his first few deals. And now he's working on the team. He was an engineer at Amazon. And now he's working uh, on our team full time as a director of acquisitions, source and deals for us and uh, underwriting. So kudos to him. And that's a lesson for anyone out there listening. It's like, you know, instead of complaining when you see someone, you know, doing something cool, you should ask him, hey, how can I do that too? So anyways, those are the two benefits of, uh, you know, some of these short-term rentals. And what I was saying is the neighbors, they can be a nuisance. Most are headaches. Um, and so with the, bo- the hotels, the boutique hotel model, it's like, you know, you can tell the neighbors to fuck off if you want to, right? Because this is a commercially zoned property. You don't have to worry about the regulations. You're not doing anything illegal. So that's a nice part. The other cool thing is with the short-term rentals, you know, it's a single family house, most of them, condos, townhomes, they're residential. So they're valued based on the sales comp approach. And so whatever the house is worth across the street or whatever the house sold for down the street on a square, uh, price per square foot base, basis is generally speaking what your property is worth. So it kind of goes up and down with the market. So if you go in there and buy a short-term rental and you know figure out a way to get this property to cash flow really nicely and you know bring in a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, learning to become a successful real estate investor can take a lot of time and dedication, which some people just don't have. If you're one of these individuals, this doesn't mean you can't invest in real estate. My company, Summers Capital, is buying a bunch of boutique hotels right now, and you can invest with us in these deals without having to do any of the work. Our team sources the deals, we secure the lending, we take care of all the renovations, and we even handle all the day-to-day operations with our in-house management company, making it truly hands-off and passive for our investors. If you want to learn more to see if we can help you, go to summerscapital.com slash invest to book a call with our team. Again, that's summerscapital.com slash invest. Now back to the show. Although that's great and you're making cash flow, you're still not increasing the value of the property because it's still worth what that same house is worth across the street. But with boutique hotels, what I love about them is this is commercial real estate. And so commercial real estate is valued based on the income approach. So net operating income or NOI divided by the cap rate, the market cap rate, generally speaking, is what your property is worth. So the, the more income the property makes, um, the more the, the value of this property is going to be worth. And so generally speaking, you know, if you can buy a hotel that's not making any money, but it's well located, and then you can figure out a way to make it cash flow very nicely, uh, you can force your appreciation or create a lot of equity growth just by figuring out a way to get this thing profitable. And so that's what I love about this model is you can force your equity, you can control your equity, you can control your cash flow, you can control the appreciation. And by doing that, it gives you more control, but it also just creates a lot of equity and a lot of returns. And so that's kind of why I love the boutique hotel model. Commercial real estate still is valued. You know, yes, the income approach is very, very uh, important, but 
they still do take into account the sales comps. And so they're still going to look at surrounding hotels and surrounding apartments, for example, um, like asset classes, if you would, um, to compare and just make sure, hey, is this in the realm? Um, but they're going to take into account your income. And so if you can figure out a way to 5x that income, uh, you're going to probably do pretty well in terms of a, a refinance or a, a, a sale. Um, so I don't know. Because of those reasons, that's kind of where I see the opportunity. I, I I think there's a lot of mom and pop sellers right now and owners of these boutique hotels that have owned these properties for 20, 30, 40 years, like Brian, who are just looking to retire. Um, they're burnout. Um, they were the ones doing everything in their business. And so they're just burnout and they're ready to retire. And because when they bought these properties back in the day, they bought them on seller finance. They're expecting to sell on seller finance. And because the interest rate environment's high right now, um, they're willing to do it. And also because they're retiring. It's like, you know, they're retiring. They want the cash flow. They want the passive income. They want the mailbox money. And so I always ask like, hey, like what, what are you going to do with the proceeds? And they're like, nothing. We're just going to stash it in the bank. It's like, okay, well, how would you like to earn, you know, how would you like to earn $4,800 a month passively? Most of them would say yes, because they'll live off that income. So I just think there's a big opportunity right now in the hotel space. Um, to give you an example versus multifamily. Multifamily, it's like to underwrite, you might underwrite 150 to 200 deals to find one or two that pencils. Um, with hotels, you might underwrite 10 to 15 deals to find one that pencils. So the deals are out there. The challenge is how are you going to operate them? So I think with our model and us having this management company in-house, Fortune Cribs, under Summers Capital, um, and we have our team built out. We have the VAs in the Philippines. They're doing the 24-7 guest communication. Um, we have all our housekeepers. We have our maintenance crews. We have um, all of our marketing platforms. We're launching a new direct booking website called Excelsior Stays. So that's going to be another way to market and solicit for direct bookings. Um, we just have the right team and the infrastructure to go and manage these hotels remotely, free of on-site management with the self-check-in, self-check-out model, which we're finding in the post-COVID world is, is very, very popular. And we can bring these manager units online to bring in more revenue and that sort of thing. So although the economy is softening and the housing market is softening and real estate is starting to soften because of the interest rate environment, um, if you can go in and find a hotel at a heavy, heavy discount um, and you know that you can add a lot of value through renovations and through your operations and through good marketing, um, you can 3 to 4x the value of these properties. Um, or at least double them if you find the right deal. And by doing that, it gives you a cushion should the market adjust um, because you're forcing some equity. And so that's where I kind of see the play right now as we transition into this slowdown uh, in the economy. I think 2023 is going to be definitely slowed. Um, we'll see when the Fed reverses rates um, because you know when things start coming down, unemployment starts going up, asset values start coming down, Money starts, you know, becoming sucked out of the economy, if you would. Bad news comes out. Uh, the Fed's going to reduce rates. That's what they're going to do. That's what they've always done. So at a certain point, the Fed will reduce rates. And I think when we see pricing comes come down and we see the Fed reverse course and, and lower the rates, I think we're going to see a lot of money enter the markets again. And we're going to see another good run. My market prediction here, um, you know, as, as I think... What I see happening is, 
right now there's a supply and demand offset uh, for housing across America, not just apartment units, but single family homes across America. And there is just a lack of supply um, and there's a shortage of uh, supply to meet the demand. And because of the interest rate environment, a lot of builders right now, um, especially if they feel like the market's going to soften and it is, it is softening, um, are more hesitant to build and new construction. And so I feel like whenever this, uh, the interest rates normalize, uh, and we come out of this, this downtrend, I think that, um, we're going to see even more of a gap in terms of supply and demand. Um, and I think we're just going to see a big tear in the market. So I, I believe that between now and the next six to 12 months is going to be a really good buying opportunity. So I would say in order to buy right now, you got to buy at a discount. You got to buy a deal where you can add a lot of value and you got to buy a well located asset. So we're looking at hotels that are beachfront. Uh, we love Central California. We love San Diego. We got a 24 room boutique hotel under contract here in downtown San Diego in a little Italy neighborhood, which is where our office is. Um, but we're looking at coastal stuff because generally speaking, the cost to renovate a property in the middle of the country, generally speaking, is about the same as it is on the coast. But on the coast, we know we're going to make a lot more money than we are if we're buying stuff in Oklahoma. So that's kind of some of the reasons why we're buying in some of these higher growth markets. Um, we also want to buy in areas to where there are pending short-term rental regulations coming down the pipeline or there's already in place strict uh, short-term rental regulations because when there's less short-term rental supply, that brings more demand to the hotels and that bodes well for your ADRs and your occupancy and that sort of thing. And that all translates to your net operating income and your valuation. So that's kind of the stuff that we're looking at. That's kind of our search criteria. This 24-room hotel we just got um, under contract here in uh, Little Italy. Actually, we have an accepted LOI. We're waiting for legal um, to get us this, this final revision. Um, but we should have it signed and executed here very soon. Uh, this group, uh, you know, they, they own, they're out of L.A., and they have a big portfolio, I think a billion dollars in assets. And, and this deal is just kind of an afterthought for them. It's run down. It's well located. Um, it's got, it's got a lot of, uh, issues, but that's opportunity for us. So we're, we're here to fix those issues. Um, some of the issues are, uh, it's got no off street parking. Uh, all the rooms are really, really, really tired. And with that, um, there's opportunity. So it's opportunity for us to come in and shut down the hotel. We love the location. It's a block and a half off of India street, which is where all the high end restaurants are, all the good nightlife, um, bars, coffee shops, all that sort of thing. Um, and it's just really becoming the Mecca trendy area of San Diego. We're close to the San Diego airport, the waterfront park, where there's a lot of concerts, um, and a lot of just travelers that are coming into the area. And so what we plan to do is the rent by the bed model. And, um, by doing that, because this property is 24 rooms, but there's like 20 bathrooms. And so not every room has its own private bathroom. And so we thought, okay, well, if there's no off street parking and not every room has a private bathroom, what if we operated it as a rent by the bed model? And so what we did is we went and toured all the surrounding hostels in the downtown area. And what we found was a lot of these, these hostels are doing really well in terms of occupancy, but they were like really crappy, just dusty, dirty just like super, super run down, like just deferred maintenance, 
a lot of smells. Just kind of gross to be honest with you, but they were like staying full and charging 50, 60, 70 bucks a bed per night, which is crazy. If you think, hey, you can put four to six beds in a room, um, that's four to 500 bucks a night, which is crazy. And so in a market like San Diego, it kind of makes sense because, you know, it's expensive to rent a room, but there's a lot of demand of travelers, international travelers, business travelers, people that just want a nice place and they don't want to spend 250 bucks a night on a hotel and they want to be in a good location. So what we're going to look to do, we have our inspection day tomorrow um, and we're, you know, in our due diligence phase and this is fluid. So our business plan is probably going to be tweaked, but we're going to look to operate this thing as a rent by the bed model, put about 120 beds in there. And um, we're going to make this thing badass. We're going to do a four innovation. We're going to partner with local yoga instructors. We're going to offer like yoga classes. We're going to have wine hours every night. And we're going to make this thing not just a place to stay, but like a trendy experience for travelers from all over the world to come stay and meet other travelers and kind of hang out. And so we're excited about that. We're going to do like built-in bunks, like built-in pods to where they can, you know, have some privacy. They can close off these pods. They'll have a little workstation in there, charging station, and uh, even like a little TV we're thinking about doing. So it'll be a nice little thing, nice little touch. And, um, you know, we're underwriting this thing at 60 bucks a bed, which I think is conservative year round. The hotel we're buying had two of the rooms operating with six bunks in each room. And so we, we have three years worth of financials. And um, these bunks in the summer during the busy season were getting 100 bucks a night as is. And this the hotel was very run down. So we're going to shut it down, renovate it, make it super trendy and really cool. And so we're underwriting it at 60 year round. And the, the numbers pencil very well at that number. So I think there's a good opportunity for us to come in and exceed that 60 um, and exceed our occupancy that we're assuming. So we'll see, but we're excited. This is something new for the team, but I feel like right now in this climate, you got to get creative to make deals work. So, you know, for us to buy this property, 24 rooms, great location here in downtown San Diego, six blocks from our office, three blocks from the water, um, you know, with a number that starts with a five is pretty crazy to me. Cause I think if we can figure out a way to cash flow this asset and hold it long term. 10 to 15 years from now, this property is going to be worth a lot more than five. So anyways, excited for that. That's kind of the boutique hotel story in the nutshell. Um, we're going to look to buy a lot of these things over the next 12 months. Um, our goal here at Summers Capital with the team is to buy $25 million worth of boutique hotels uh, here in the next 12 months and improve these properties and uh, increase their values. And so hopefully we'll take the 25 million and, and turn it into 50 million plus over the next you know 12 to 18 months. Um, the team is excited and, uh, we're ready to do this. So anyways, that's it for this episode, guys. Hope you guys found value and, uh, I'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace.